Hey, it's Brian House, and you're listening to the Work For It podcast. Our primary focus is business in the workshop. And if you want us to see and discuss your work, use the hashtag WFI Projects on Instagram, and we will shout you out and your projects. Did you know you can support our work for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year? Go to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That's like a burrito. I love burritos. What's happening, everybody? You're listening to the Work For It podcast. I am joined in the studio, as always, with Ben Jammin Butler of ButlerBuilt.us and Dr. Brian Cohn. Be cone knives. What what do I and, have to do to get rid of this doctor? You know, mm, over here. you're gonna have to kill Brian fucking Cone, Santa Claus. <laughs> PhD, post hole digger, post hole digger, and, and we have a very special guest, somebody that I've always wanted to have a conversation with, and just never have had the time to sit in a room with him. And today, Eugene from Take and Make is here. Eugene. Hey, what's up, everybody? Now, if you're not familiar with Eugene, take and make, you should be, uh, because his YouTube content, it has a tendency to go wildly viral, okay? And if you, you know, so... I mean, some of my videos. Some, well, that's true, but they're, they're, like, for instance, the, um, the, the, the concrete patio, or the concrete staircase where you guys laid all that uh, concrete out. Uh, that one went to over. Well, last time I looked at it, it was like over two million views I, on that thing. I, I was yeah. looking at that the other day. I was like, "What is this?" And it gets suggested. Thing? It gets I, suggested <laughs> to me, and I'm I was like, I was really really shocked when I saw the that video kicking. Yeah, that <laughs> that that's, that's definitely is my um, record, and it's almost. At three million right now, two point eight. Oh wow! Th- is that That's true? Three million. Awesome. So, if okay, so not just I don't want to like give the wrong impression about what Eugene does on YouTube because he does a lot of restoration videos. He's one of those guys that does things that are just as he decides. He makes content around. It's kind of like Bob Claggett, you know, like he just gets yeah. to pick. Like, hey, I, I, you know, I'm not going to pigeon my hole myself and create this content now. I I know a little bit about where you're from and everything else, but and where you live because I've known you, quote unquote, known you for a while. You're like one of the first people to ever like send me stickers and like we did like a sw- sticker swap kind of thing like years ago when you were just getting started and I was just getting started. And why don't you just give us the elevator pitch as to who you are, where you live, and where you're from? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm originally from Ukraine. I was born and raised there, and I uh, immigrated to Canada when I was 22 years old. Now I'm 36, so 14 years. I was going on and off in the beginning before I settled though, but altogether maybe 10, 10, 11 years, I reside in Canada and I live in, Edmonton, Alberta. I lived one year in BC, such a beautiful province. 
but very very expensive and a lot of people are running away from there for that reason i've heard this about canada it's like yeah. there's specific places that are just like off the charts as far as living cost of living yeah and, like, like for, for easy com and for easy comparison uh uh, an average single family house, like let's say in 1500 range here in Edmonton, you could buy a new one for like around 400,000 Canadian, right? If we're talking BC, especially Vancouver area, North Vancouver, West Vancouver, same house, same property could hit up to $2.5 million. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful there and it's, you know, it's got the, the uh, what you call it, reputation and everything, but man, yeah. that is serious inflation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can find cheaper house, of course, but it's not going to be in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. So what, uh, what originally was the appeal or the draw to Canada? Um, well, like most immigrants, what, what's their thing, right? To mm -hmm. look for a better place to work, to make the living, yep. to see the world and all stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I was always missing my home and still am even Bad. in these tough times because all my family is there. My wife's from Ukraine too. I brought her here. All her family is there. And uh, over the last couple of years, we actually were thinking about going back. Oh boy. Yeah. You wow. dodged a bullet on that one. Holy cow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. yeah. That's, that's also why YouTube become a thing. Because okay. when I just started, you guys don't know, my first channel was Fishtail TV. I'm a fisherman, so ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my hobby, and um, it's all it's all began with uh, making uh, pictures and little videos of my trips. Well, that sounds and familiar, Mr. House. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what how I got started on YouTube as well. Was, yeah, you know, and then fishing, fishing, fishing. I didn't get crazy views or money. I, I even I didn't. Like, I bet you most of the YouTubers who started way before, like this generation, genera not generation, but nowadays, I should say, I'm talking about like seven, eight years ago, right? What nobody thought about money and right. that that's actually how it should be for for the uh, guys who's, who's thinking about opening their channel on YouTube. My suggestion, it would be don't think about this as income it has to be your passion first because yeah, you'll never make it right yeah you'll never make it exactly yeah. and that then, is an excellent point yeah too much when, fucking work <laughs> exactly yeah some people it's so crazy that uh, some comments are like oh my god you uh, lazy person or whatever i i had those like yeah. you ju you just post a video and have an easy money yeah. It's it, it's <laughs> yep. definitely those people who never did a video in their life yeah. and posted on YouTube. Yes. Review they, a tool and that's yeah. all you'll get. <laughs> they they don't know the struggle. 
I will tell you what, this is a, this I have preached this forever about just about any endeavor that you do. If you do not have a strong passion for it, I call it the cash and grab or the smash and grab. It's like all these people that pop up out of the woodwork that want to duplicate other people because they think there's money in it. And then they go after it and they, you know, they fizz, most of them fizzle out because it's really not their their passion. And I explain this to people and they say, how can you work so much? You work all the time. You're always doing something. You're always working. And I said, well, because it doesn't feel like work to me. I, yeah. I enjoy this. And of course, I like to make money. I'm a capitalist. I enjoy money. But you, someone said it years ago about, you know, uh, do what you love and you never work a day in your life. Well, I don't yeah. know how much I buy into that. I think everything work. eventually turns into work, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's it's too the passion sweet. that pushes you. Right. And you exactly. learn to appreciate work, right? And I think that a trend I notice with most YouTubers, at least in the maker sphere, right? You uh, almost find relaxation in work. You know, <laughs> and like we've talked about it on the show, Brian, really early on. I can remember when I first came on the first couple episodes and, you know, we both grew up and I, I'm sure, you know, Eugene and, and uh, B. Cohn as well. You guys, we all just kind of grew up in uh, an environment where Saturday you had a job to do and it might have been, you know, plumbing in the house or plowing snow uh you know in the driveway or whatever the hell it was it wasn't like unloading the fucking dishwasher <laughs> you know it was it was work and i don't know I, I think that you will work many days in your life you know even if you love it but yeah, learning you, to not you, be afraid of it is the key exactly you want it or not you're yeah. gonna work your ass off all your life at, at, at least if you're not gonna win lottery right but again if you're stupid you're gonna spend all that cash and be broke again so knowing the fact that all your life you have to work actually to make the living and survive it's so important to find that passion and yeah. at least living and working and doing the stuff you really enjoy and having money for doing that is just a great benefit and a bonus yeah, you almost flip it on its on its head, right? And it's like, you know, you do, uh, do a job you love and you'll work every day of your life, but you'll still love it, <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. Yeah, you'll, well, you'll find I mean, the reward, you know? In, inside yep. of that work, there is, it's not just wealth in the form of financial exchange, it's wealth in the form of, of purpose, which I talk a lot yeah. about with, you know, when someone tells me that they've dealt, I, I just got an email from a customer. This is like the kind of thing I absolutely, that fuels me. Um, I'm not going to say the person's name, but um, they, they messaged me last night to let me know how much uh, they got. They, they love the kit, you know, the, the grinder kit. And, and um, he said, you know, for, for a long time, that he had been dealing with some depression and some other things. And he says, you know, watching your content, watching your rise up on YouTube, watching you build a business and then being a part of it, getting, you know, into the, the revolution project has sort of given him purpose again, you know, just learning new skills and things like that. So when I get emails like that, I, it gives me like this, 
it gives I you even wings. struggle. It does. It gives me wings. That's a great way to put it. It's mm-hmm. like um, even so, for instance, like every single day seems to blend together because I'm so busy and I'm just working and I'm, you know, chugging away and I, I'm doing this the, a lot of repetitive tasks. But then there's times where I get to make YouTube content around that and all that. And then I get an email like this and it just go and I just in my head, I think this is the reason why I do this work. This is it. That email from him just made me feel like that's the ultimate purpose was to free people from concern and let them learn new skills and facilitate new skill sets and and all of that. So I get it. I love the fact that you're sharing your journey of working with your hands, Eugene, on YouTube. And I want you to know how much I respect your work and appreciate, uh, you know, not only just your work, but also your struggle from leaving your home immigrating to a new country because I think there's so many people who want to change their station in life, but fear keeps them from doing so. And you have conquered that fear and done awesome things with your time on earth. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for your kind words. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll second that. What you said about inspiration it's uh it's really like a pure energy reading those nice comments and i got some emails too people writing and uh being thankful that they i gave them motivation and inspired them to do something i mean this is better than money you guys agree with me oh yeah for sure yeah the podcast like is is a way that we get to freely exchange that sort of energy with our listeners and our viewers and stuff like that. So I really love being a part of the podcast. Um, it energizes me every week to do it, whether we have a guest or not, you know, I get a chance to talk with Brian and Ben and socialize a bit. Whereas I don't have a lot of like face to face socializing that happens (laughs) where, where I am because, uh, you know, I'm just by myself for the most part. But, um, but anyway, all right, so we've got that out of the way. Eugene, welcome to the show. This is going to be an easy conversation. We're going to have a great time on the show. I don't know if you've – have you ever listened to the Work For It podcast? you listen to uh, podcasts um, in general? No, I do not, but I think I'm going to change my, my mind after that. <laughs> well, no pressure, no pressure at all. You know, I, 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 I was curious when Brian I'm, brought it I'm up honest, to me. He, though, yeah. but no, no, I'd rather you be. I, I didn't it, listen to any podcast, not just to yours. Well, that's that's good. Okay, <laughs> the thing that changed your mind on podcast was being invited onto a podcast. Hey, there, yeah. we got you. We got you. And just you, so that the audience did. is it understands the connection between um, all of us is that Eugene is uh, going to be a part of the dagger challenge on YouTube. Um, um, no. Oh no, you're not going to be, I, you were going yeah, to be, I was That's going right. to be, but I, I, uh, I, I, I pulled myself out. That's right. Be- because of this situation, situation happening back home. I just, right now I simply lost my, inspiration and motivation hopefully temporarily i would say it's temporary and and hopefully we can be a part of bringing you some inspiration today and if you're listening to this go find take and make on instagram and on youtube give them a follow and also send eugene some some much needed positive energy because uh 
you know, if you're not familiar, you're living under a rock. Uh, Ukraine is under some major conflict right now. So and we will probably get into that later in the show. But uh, I, I the first part of the show, Eugene, we just discuss amongst ourselves about what we have going on in our workshop and on our workbench. So I'll let Brian kick off. Brian, what you got going on in your workshop? So you know how last week I was talking about how, you know, I, I, I just finished up a big batch, you know, of 12 and I don't want to go back to large batches. Mm-hmm. I like doing smaller batches. So I started a batch of 14. Uh, uh-huh. Well, that batch has now ballooned to 20. Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you I don't I, learn, do you? No, yeah. I, I just get myself further and further in this in this, you know, pit of mud. It seems like, uh, well, basically what ended up happening is I have a couple different shops that want to start carrying my knives. Um, and so I need to build up some more, you know, some more um, knives to be put into these shops because, you know, you don't, awesome, wanna, you don't want to, you don't want to just like show up and be like, hey, here's one or two knives uh, because you want to like show off some diversity. You want to show off, you know, you yeah. know, a, a few different selection and like it just kind of looks pathetic if you only if you have your sign and you know two knives that just kind of looks bad. So now I've started a couple more. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to try. I'm I'm going to focus on the rest of this week, splitting it up into okay, this needs to be done now, and this can wait until the next batch, and maybe even splitting it up further into like another you know smaller batch at the very end. But yeah, so it's just kind of. It, it has been a couple of weeks of, or not a couple of weeks, but a couple of days of doing the same thing over and over again, which I don't really like doing, but you can. But, you know, that's that's just been the way it is. Um, other than that, I've shot a couple more videos trying to get more of my YouTube going. I just finished and posted uh, last week. I posted the final fourth part of building that knife with my brother, the offset serrated knife. So that's that's out there. And then I've got a couple more. I, I did a video all about, you know, building the, the Gentry Custom Knives build-along. So there should be a couple of videos coming out about that. Oh, that'd that. be good. A couple yeah. tool reviews, couple, you know, I'm, I've got a couple things in the work. But yeah, so that's that's been my week for the most part. Uh, ben, nice. what's going on in your shop? I, I imagine you're probably working on a lot of leather work. Yeah, I was going to say before I start, that, that series with your brother is just so cool, man. Uh, just really neat content you know it's i don't know i've been digging it dude it was so. i mean it it fueled my soul just getting in my right. in the shop with my brother and like you know you're having some brotherly bonding time you're working up yeah. a sweat teaching him how to do things and then seeing him excel as much as he did I, it was pretty cool that's awesome yeah I, I don't have a brother but uh it's been fun raising two brothers you know i got the two boys and it's such a different dynamic you know i had one sister we lived in the woods. My sister surfed the couch most days while I was outside killing small animals and, you know, <laughs> running in the woods. And, uh, Wait so a I, minute. Yeah, so, never, on, had the, never had the uh, <laughs> brotherly bond. <laughs> ben, uh, I'm just curious. Uh, w- you didn't w- kill small woodland creatures? <laughs> n- no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Is this? Should we be concerned about you? I mean, I, mean, no. I also grew up with BB guns and twenty twos. I mean, that's just yeah. kind of a. I don't yeah. know if maybe that's just a country thing. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of the thing, you know. Uh, my my old man raised uh, English setter bird dogs, 
And so, you know, bird season would come in like September-ish. <clears throat> and then that would roll into archery season, which would then roll into, you know, turkey season, which then would roll into, you know, squirrel season and then deer season and rifle season. So just kind of basically from September to January, you just killed things. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and uh yeah but anyway in my shop speaking of dead animals i've been working with leather <laughs> um and it's been really good i got um now have uh at least my website's up butlerbuilt.us is up oh, uh, it's not not perfect but it's there it's got a t-shirt for sale right now in the store <laughs> Um, and by the end of the day today, I am going to have my apron up there and I've got two other, uh, two other items that I'm hoping will be up there by the end of the week. Um, one that I've been working on this morning, I, it's so funny cause I'm used to being out here with sawdust everywhere, loud flipping tools, you know, and now like I walk into the shop and it smells like a damn leather furniture store or something and there's no dust. I got a damn sewing machine sitting on my table saw. <laughs> um, it's like strange, but it's been really cool. Um, the thing I've been working on this morning is actually it's a tool bucket, a small like bench tops, you know, put your essential tools in it. Maybe, you know, a couple of screwdrivers, some drill bits, uh, you know, odds and ends, punches, rasps, whatever you want. Made out of real heavy, like 10-ounce leather uh, with a bunch of loops for tools to go into and, you know, a bunch of just various storage options. Uh, and I, I wanted to have an option for folks that don't want an apron, that don't want a tool belt but they always want tools nearby. And so that was something I kind of came up with over the past week. So lots of prototyping, lots of hand-stitching leather, which, by the way, hand-stitching a very wide apron is a royal pain in the ass. <laughs> and I knew that, and uh, that's been my biggest hesitancy um, right now without having a, a big leather sewing machine because – you, you always have to deal with, you know, if you're sewing a waist pocket on, there's a foot of leather from where the pocket sits to the edge of the apron, right? Um, if you're going left, right. If you're going up, down, there's as much as 18, 20 inches of leather. So it's like, what do you do with all this leather so that you can, you know, if you're sewing a wallet, you can put the wallet in a, a clamp or a stitching pony and only leave about a half inch sticking up and you can just, you know, flick right through. But, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out some hacks and stuff like that. And, uh, every spare minute I have, I am researching and looking for used sewing machines. <laughs> I like the sound effect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can go pretty quick. And, and honestly, I've, <laughs> I've, um, you know, for smaller items, uh, it almost does not make sense to have a machine because the time it takes you to set it up and get everything ready, you can get so quick with hand stitching. And uh, 
So for most things, I'll probably always hand stitch, but you know, for aprons, you're, it sure be nice. You're a hand stitching purist, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, totally. Pinkies up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's what's been going on. I also started a woodworking project. Um, the final straw in the Butler House kitchen project that was started two and a half years ago, I think, <laughs> is to build some bar stools, some counter height bar stools out of oh. cherry. Here I thought yeah. you Butler House. I thought you were having oh, no. a collaboration with Brian. Oh, Butler House is well, in, in your physical house. Yes, the <laughs> Butler Ranch, as I uh, call it here. So, yeah, I started those. Uh, it, you know, I the, shit, the kitchen's been done for a long-ass time, but my wife and I have been going back and forth on stool designs, and she likes this, I like that. And so finally I said, look, I'm going to just cut up a bunch of freaking wood I'm going to start building one. You tell me what you like, what you don't like. We'll change it on the fly. And so that's what we're doing. <laughs> no, no plans. Just dive in head first. So yeah, quite a bit going on. So, well, that all sounds fantastic. I am, uh, I am doing, I'm actually still doing my workshop build out, which is, um, looking good. Uh, yeah, it's coming together. I don't know if you guys saw the lighting system. Oh, that I yeah. That's it. Building. You're so jealous. So I did. Looks sweet, man. Yeah. In my old studio, I had a, um, I had like a more manual version of this, which was just yeah. like one, one piece of Unistrut that had a, an, a big, like it was fairly big. It was like five feet wide. Um, a dome, which is like an umbrella that's a soft box, essentially. And it worked out great. I mean, it was fantastic, but I never moved it. I built this very complicated rigging system in my ceiling to move that thing around. And I just got to the point where it was just so annoying to move it that I never yeah. did it. So when I designed this space, I realized that I'd like to have that same setup, but I'd like it to be more man or less manual and more automatic. And if I wanted to be able to move my lights up and down or left to right, then, you know, I'd be able to do that. So that took this, you know, I spent more than three days on it, really, because I was designing it initially. So I designed the system, bought all the parts, you know, put it everything together. And then um, I lifted it about 10 feet off the ground, like the third or fourth time. And one of the splices failed. Oh, and no shit. It, yeah, the wow. whole thing fell 10 feet. Luckily, num nobody was underneath it. It was just yeah. in, and in the... Um, the center umbrella was actually on and it just kind of like floated down. It didn't really yeah. like fall real, real hard. Yeah. It kind of like, it, it was very surreal to watch it happen. Like and, a you know, just, Yeah, kind of like a parachute. So it fell. And then it, so what had happened was when it fell, it put a really deep seated fear into me that mm. this thing could, could fall when someone was underneath it. So I spent the next couple of days redesigning the system so there's no splices. Yeah. And so it's all one piece of cable now that goes all the way through it and back up to the winch. And, it, you know, what would have to happen now is basically the, the roof would have to cave in for the thing to fall. So it's like, okay, <laughs> or the winch would have to fail, completely fail, fail, um, yeah. which th these winches have a safety, um, like a, 
uh, a clip yeah, in them, that. like that That's basically cool. keeps a safety. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. So it's designed to do this. It's designed to lift like a thousand pounds, you know. So, and these this light rig is maybe fifty pounds total. I mean, it's not that. Yeah, I was going to so. say those umbrellas aren't like super heavy, are they? No, I mean, they're just yeah. The lights weigh eight pounds a piece. And the piece of tube that goes all the way across is maybe 20 pounds. So, yeah, it's it's okay. really no, – there's nothing to it. And um, so I got that all done and installed. That's been a huge game changer as far as being able to shoot content in here. And uh, so I've been working on the lighting and getting set up. And then I also built a workbench. And I sent you guys a text message uh, the other night about the reel that I, you know, I spoke about yeah. on the last podcast about uh, basically trolling the trolls, which is like my new <laughs> game now, um, which I really love. And that reel now has 1.6 million views on it. Love it. Uh, there we go. Because people are just now calling me the biggest idiot on the planet for putting saw blades uh, as braces on my <laughs> my workbench. But Suck that dick, that trolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm getting now I'm getting all the emails from Facebook like, hey, since you're so good at creating right. this stuff, let's uh, see if we can get you monetized. Um, so I'm working on that with them, with Facebook. Nice. Yeah. So I think I should be able to monetize reels pretty soon. Yeah, Cause here. you've got we'll a good face, pretty sizable Facebook following, don't you? Yeah. We have 20,000 on the, on the, uh, DIY belt grinders and machines. They, they don't allow you to create reels and monetize them. If you're just a personal person, like you, right. you, ha- you have yeah. to have a group, you have to have a business page and all this stuff. Huh. Yeah. You so gotta have, be, you gotta be a page. You gotta Bastard. be a page. So I now I'm no posting. Idea. Yeah. So now I'm posting it. I didn't either, Brian, I, I had to dig into this, which makes no sense to me. Like you would think that they would want to yeah. monetize personal accounts because that makes sense. There's That's a lot most more of creators, right? Are, yeah. are personal. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then so I made this workbench. I started uh, working on the top, got it all sanded down, uh, got it coated with uh, some tongue oil and some wax. And then I did a reel this morning showing the magnet. And this is going to bring lead me into the next. Um, I want to hear what Eugene is working on next in his workshop. But I want to bring up the question because I get there's two really different views on this. And I'd like to hear your opinions on this, which is, okay, I put a tool magnet strip on my work mm-hmm. uh, bench this morning, and then I filmed it, put a reel out there, and every time I show anything with magnets, I get a lot of negative feedback from people who say magnets are terrible. They All they do is collect dust. Oh, and you Brian, you've even said this to me like a couple times. Like they just collect yeah. dust. Now, but I, my argument is, is that I think they the usefulness of them offsets, you know, the, the dust is going to fall somewhere, you know, yeah, it has so to what, go right? somewhere and you you know, if it's on the floor or on your workbench or stuck to a magnet, people are like, "Well, then you're going to have dust all over your tools." My argument for that is the if you don't tools. have dust on your tools, you're Something's probably wrong. not yeah, using yeah. your tools. So, <laughs> so tools fucking dusty. You, yeah. You yeah, exactly. Hit up a so, happy hour or something. Exactly. So, yeah. Here's my thought. Like I, I originally like my, my initial reaction to that was, Oh, that's just going to be covered in, you know, in grinder dust immediately. But then, you know, I literally look around my shop and I have magnets 
everywhere. I have magnets on my drill press holding, you know, different, you know, fixtures or stuff to the side. Um, I have magnets even on my on my grinder holding that um, my lights and my my misting system up. I have magnets literally everywhere all around my shop. I have magnets on my anvil to hold my tongs in the right position. Mm, interesting. Like, okay. Like so it like, yes, they get dirtier, they get covered in crap, but it takes two seconds to wipe that off if it's bothering you. Or, you know, like you just said, you can just let your tools be mildly dirty because, you know, your shop is dirty yeah. and when you do your, you know, cleaning once a week or so or however, you know, however often you do your cleaning just yeah. wipe it off real quick. It takes two seconds. I was just going to say, well, so here's what everybody can do when this comes out tomorrow. They can head over to butlerbuilt.us <laughs> and buy themselves an apron with a towel, uh, you know, a rag loop on it. I'll throw it oh in for God. free and a magnet too. We'll put a magnet in the I pocket. That's very funny. But, uh, no, that's true. That's true. I, I'm like in the camp of, Okay, so yeah, like dust gets everywhere, and yeah. and and in my opinion, yes, they do kind of a tendency to collect dust. But like, I'm like, well, but then they, if I okay, let's just say that magnet wasn't there, then it would just fall on the floor right below right. the magnet or whatever. So to Nobody me, like whatever, I, exa- exactly. So <laughs> I think to myself, like magnets are super useful for a lot of reasons, like Brian oh, just Lord. described. I have them everywhere as well, and I use them all the time. And yes, they get covered in dust. And my trick, so like I use welding magnets a lot for, you know, just these 90 degree uh, welding brackets that everybody has that are angular and they Mm -hmm. uh, have magnets in them. Well, they're notorious for collecting chips and dust. And then the minute they do that, they're kind of useless because, you know, they're 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 not going to be accurate at that. Yeah, they're not going to be true. They're not going to be true. So my trick and I learned this the other last year or whatever um was i was like you know what i i think i could just take my air gun like my from air from my compressor and blow the dust right off of it into a trash can and i do that now every time i use them i just walk them over to the trash bin i spray them down with some um you know high high pressure air like 100 pounds or more and it blows the chips right off of the magnet and it just falls into the trash here's a quick um, shop tip that's a Quick make, make sure you do that and you you blow the air before you sweep up your entire floor and empty that into your trash can. I mean, blowing that air right in there will just you know make a big cloud this right there in your shop. Yeah. Or you can take them outside and do it too. I do it a lot yeah. of times. I just like walk it out front and just blow it off, you know, outside have, or whatever, and that te- that tends to work. Have you guys ever? Um, and this this is just totally random came to my mind. But have you ever thought of maybe like? Instead of just straight up neodymium magnets, have you thought about maybe switchable magnets? You know, that you could turn I, on. I was off? just gonna say that. Yeah, that, I mean, that I, I'm be... thinking about getting those. They not too expensive. I mean, really? some of them are really expensive, but you can buy a budget version on, on Amazon. Right. And and that's what I'm gonna. Yep. I wanna try to get and test it. Maybe. Yeah. You, Brian, house? Did you try some of those magnets? No. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, I have switchable magnets. My favorite, all-time favorite switchable magnet mount, uh, it holds <laughs> my cell phone. It's a mixture of, uh, I kind of cobbled it together. It's, uh, have, if you've oh, ever yeah. watched Peter McKinnon, he, he has these things where 
they if you tighten them or loosen them they they're like it's like two arms with a pivot on the middle and they lock in place if you lock the little knob yeah. it's a essentially it's a dial indicator uh mount you got the and same you can get them one, yeah. yeah you can get them on amazon for 12 dollars. So the, they're the extremely question, strong the question is when it's off does uh does dust stick to it or no is it still it has does. some power yeah so the magnet so. never truly turns off it's just moving the mag the lever moves the magnet away from the surface of the outside of the unit. i gotcha so, is there's that how no that works? that's how that works and so if you ever see anybody with like the new uh broadbeck um that's surface true. grinding attachment it has those lockable magnets on them and it's the same concept it just pulls the magnet away from the surface that the knife is sitting on which is uh genius by be, the way it would have to be an electromagnet right Correct. to be able to like turn it off off <laughs> and that's well, when it gets, it gets expensive <laughs> yeah. and also, that does get expensive electromagnets with my misting system you know just sounds like a shock waiting to happen <laughs> yeah they oh, run on geez. dc power though bro yeah. they only run the 12 volts 12 you volts know, dc again again Don't, don't one, underestimate one, uh, my don't underestimate my ability to shock myself. Yeah. Hey. I just oh, I want to just say again, you know, one quick credit card purchase, uh, a rag loop on your new apron, you know, <laughs> solve all this shit. <laughs> the, the, this leads me to a really funny dad joke. Oh, bring it. Go ahead. Gotcha. People people are always shocked at how bad of an electrician I am. <laughs> yeah, early in the show today at 36 minutes in. 36 Man. minutes in. It might be a shock that might I'm be such dropping a, a deuce electrician. today on the dad. We joke. may have to. I have a whole big stack of them. We may have to. Yeah. So anyway, that's that, that magnet conversation. I would. I'm going to actually troll the trolls even more because I just got a whole bunch of comments. That reel apparently is doing really well on Facebook, so everyone's calling Good. me a moron because they're saying that <laughs> grinder dust is going to stick to those magnets, and I'm just responding with, "Gosh, I, di I didn't think of that. I'm, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> no, I should, should I should turn like my brain that. on." You know how they do the sawdust is man glitter? You should just start, you know, I like did. magnets I are man glitter. <laughs> I started responding with the salt bay yeah. guy gif where he's like sprinkling the salt yeah yep. that's, that's been another one so anyway <laughs> eugene tell me what what do you have going on in your workshop this week well i saw aside from bunch of dust everywhere yeah right in, <laughs> including, dust. including my magnets <laughs> yeah i mean uh, going back a little bit to this thing everybody understands that if it works for you like it's so hard to change the way you roll in your shop if it works for you, you shouldn't waste any time on changing anything. I mean, at least right now, when you're working on something, right? Just keep keep rolling. If it works for you, you're okay with that. Uh, that's how I do. And I definitely don't care about dust. Like being said, if there is no dust, it's not a shop. It's a yep. ki kitchen. Yeah. You're not creating a tool museum. Yeah. <laughs> Or a garage mahal, as Trent. Yeah, say. right. As Trent. Yeah. yeah I was just say, no, there's, there's like on YouTube, there's couple makers. They keep it tidy and uh, it looks really nice, and it kind of, uh, 
tells me that maybe I should start to keep everything in its place, you know, and, but I don't know. I'm just a messy guy myself, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, whenever, you have a, uh, did you guys Eugene, ever have you... a, con uh, uh, a thing when in your mess, I'm not talking like a <laughs> real acopolypsis, right? But just a little mess. And you, I, I know everything where everything yeah, lies, right? even in a mess. Yeah. And on my table, sometimes I have a mess and one time wife helped me to clean it. And I was looking whole day for one thing. Oh, you're fucked. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, fucked. <laughs> I just put it there so it's not in the way. I mean, like, yeah. come on. Now I don't know I had, where is it. I had three months of that when I was back in Pennsylvania, oh, you yeah. know, dealing. And so my father-in-law was out here and then my old man was out here. And of course, they're, every time they come out, they're like, I can't find a damn thing. You move shit every time I come out here. And it's like, no, I, I really don't. <laughs> You know, I don't move it that much, but uh, you, doesn't you mean do, you have you do to. move it. But again, you have a habit yeah. like, oh, yeah, every time you move it, it looks like it's not organized to, to the person who just uh, yep. walks in your shop. But when you need to find it, you will. That's a great point. Like, except, why maybe, the hell? except maybe if it's the 10 mil socket. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like what? And I've often wondered that, like I have screwdrivers uh, and drills right by the door that you come in. And I've rearranged this shop about a hundred thousand times. Every time screwdrivers and those drills end up by the doors. There's no real reason for it. It's not, I mean, I use them a fair bit, sure, but it's not like the most frequent tool used inside the house. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to me how our own organizational brains work. And you're right. I could probably come in here blindfolded and find you know a tiny drill bit in a drawer somewhere <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah it's yeah going but back I, to the project i'm working yeah. on i mean i started working on uh this how would you call it uh entry door bench with a nice. like, like a rock uh underneath it for shoes mm -hmm. and uh wooden bench on top and I'm trying to get more into fabricating. So I'm, I welded it from one inch uh, tubing steel. And the shelf I made from one inch, one inch flat. It's already painted and the, the seat I made from a bunch of other, a bunch of different woods. There's oak, there's, uh, it's like <clears throat> um, probably 60% of it is oak and there there's strips of other woods. It was actually my wife's design. I just uh, helped her to scale it so it looks better. There's tiger wood, there's uh, walnut and, and oak. Looks pretty good. It looks kind of like if you know what I'm talking about, one of those cutting boards, but it's yeah. going to be, but it's going to be a seat. That's interesting. Are you say. making a YouTube video on this? I am. Yeah, I'm, ma <clears throat> I'm making a video and hopefully <laughs> I, I get time to finish it and post it for other projects. 
there's couple knives in in mind and other restorations i'm really in love with uh japanese knives i have a few restorations on my channel which are doing pretty good like one is like 600,000 views of uh, Deba knife that steel is something crazy guys I mean I'm not that experienced working with steel but that Deba knife like oh my god it's so hard I okay. spent I spent probably 10 hours sanding it whoa polishing it hand hand sanding because wow. it just it just doesn't bite 80 80 grit paper didn't do anything to it like you know it's just all the abrasives from the paper itself they just fall off they it's unbelievable and i did that restoration probably a year ago and i used that knife time to time and it's still sharp what kind so, of steel is that knife do you know uh not sure but uh some so, crazy what's Japanese that fucking steel. Star Wars steel the damn Mandalorian <laughs> <laughs> uh. it's really really um crazy that the skills and the technology of Japanese steel so anyway yeah. I'm in case because I that's uh one of the most popular comment comment under my videos for restorations where do i get my knife maybe somebody is interested who's listening to this podcast ebay that's where i get mine uh just okay. make sure that you look for the knives in japan that this way you you will know for sure that they're real right because yeah. if it's coming from other country i wouldn't trust it yeah, but I was I was gonna ask you that that how do you know? Because on eBay there's just a lot of fakes. But I guess you're right. If it comes right from Japan, you know that you're getting Japanese steel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I buy often from one seller, and I know indeed it's coming from Japan. First off, the package, right? You can't fool the the postal, right? It it does come from Osaka or. The one even came from uh, Nagasaki. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking at your your video list of all your videos, and those two on the Deba knife, uh, the restorations. Those are side side by side. the The first one you posted it looks like two years ago at four hundred and four thousand views on the restoration, and then you did a update like a newer version of it at 632,000 views. And then yeah. just past that, you've got one uh, where you make a fillet knife from a handsaw blade, which is actually a really cool idea because handsaws are already flexible and thin. So that's, you make a, yeah. a fillet. That's actually that's was my, that's my first ever knife I made from the from the handsaw. And if we're going, uh, if we're gonna go back to my <laughs> YouTube career, when I had that fishtail TV, that's when I changed my mind pretty much, because uh, having the fishtail TV channel, uh, I I was trying to keep everything related to fi fishing, right? And uh, I just got this idea of making a fillet knife and post it on my channel, 
and I did, and it went went viral. That was my oh, first. That was my I first see. first uh, impression of YouTube that it actually can make cash, right? Because sure. for, for for the beginner YouTuber who has like one thousand views, three thousand views, I think was my maximum at that point, and overnight I got eighty thousand views. Mm. I was blown away. Are you so taking that's notes, Brian? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm writing that down right here. So you said that's a uh, fillet knife out of uh, what kind? Sorry, out of a handsaw. Yeah, ha- that. <laughs> that's a so, great idea, though. That's cool. So this goes back to my argument of always looking at your analytics. So I have yeah. a very similar path where I started my channel doing the same thing, captaining. I was out on a boat a lot and I was taking people fishing. I was filming it. And I always thought, well, that's where all the views are going to come from. Then I couldn't do it anymore. So I started doing metal work in my garage. And when I built the grinder, that was the video that everyone watched. It was just, they wanted to see the progress on building that machine. and that's what took me down that path. And I say this all the time, but the market will decide for you. And it looks like it decided for Eugene by saying, uh, you know, hey, look at this. He built a fillet knife, made a fillet knife out of a handsaw, and then he took that concept and he said, I want to do more of that content because it generated views and interest. And now he has 36,400 subscribers on Take and Make, which is huge. So, um, and also you built my grinder by hand. I wanted to kind of, uh, yeah. I didn't mean to gloss <laughs> over this, but, but so way back like a year ago, uh, Eugene bought the plans and then he's one of the few that now do it this way, but he's in Canada. So it's tougher to get the parts. Uh, yeah, and at, at that revolution. moment, at that moment, sorry to interrupt you, no you, you, you weren't sending anything to Canada, right? Cause yeah, and I'm, we're still really not. I mean, we can. We're we're, we're working with a new shipping per, uh, person, new shipping business that's trying to get us into Canada, and it's just we are getting nailed with all kinds of. So by the time it's like out the door, it almost doubles the price of the kit, oh, and wow. it's just every single time we try it, we think, well, maybe now something has changed. And it really isn't. I mean, it, every single uh, vendor that does uh, like FedEx, UPS, DHL, every time it cro- from it can cross over the border 50 feet and it doubles the price. It's just I, I don't get it. I, I'm having a hard time with it. It's all that free health care you guys got up there. It's all that expensive <laughs> shit. I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but it's like the second it goes into the states. Now, there there are out of the states into Canada. It's really expensive. But here's what we have done is we've sent it to there's these there's these Canadian distribution warehouses that are just on the United States border on the United States side. You ship it to there. And then it, you have like a friend or a family member drive over across the border, <laughs> pick it up, and drive it back over. It just and seems they pay so like illegal. A ten- <laughs> it, it does seem illegal, uh, but because it's not actually a machine, it's only yeah. just parts. The Canadian, like every single person that does this, you know, they want to know what's in the box. They open it up, and they're like, "Oh, it's just parts." Like they 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 literally charge them like a ten dollar import fee, like so straight out house? straight out of like. Oh. You know, back when the rum runners would go through and like, yes, yeah, right. Yeah. I think and we're Pickles not doing anything illegal, is, uh, by the way. Yeah, Pickles nothing House illegal, is a speakeasy for that, isn't it? <laughs> I was just gonna say you need to get yourself on Pickles' good side. Tobin, 
We need a picture of Nick in like an old Model A Ford with like a big box (laughs) on the back, like with a driver's cap on, smoking a cigarette, like driving across the border. Smoking a a what now? Was it? Smoking a doobie. And he's he's going across the border and he's like, I'm just just bringing over some water across the border. (laughs) Nothing to see here. Filled with grinders. (laughs) But uh, but yes. So, uh, so. The I love the fact that you took your your the data from YouTube, which is a very smart way to do it because you you can see what people are looking at and you know, hey, this is what's happening here. I can I can take this and for you, you really I can tell you really love working with your hands. It's one of those things where you don't really care what it is, but you just enjoy learning new things and creating new things. Absolutely. And watching you work with knives is really inspiring to me because I see uh, Blackbeard projects, for instance, and I'm sure you've watched some of his videos where he does restorations. Yeah. It fascinates me. <clears throat> I, I I can sit through his content and watch everything he does, and then of course. It ballooned into now him making his own knives and making his own forges and, you know, doing power hammer restorations and all this other stuff, which is where I kind of see your journey going. You know, as you continue on with YouTube and get bigger and bigger, you know, you're going to have access to more resources. You're going to be able to do bigger and better things. Um, so it's it's fun yeah. to watch your 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 journey, Eugene. I really do love it. Oh, yeah. Like so, I I wouldn't be where I am without youtube and my passion and all this was going on because i started if you take a look at my older videos like two three years ago me and wife we were living in one bedroom apartment and i started doing restoration i shit you not in my kitchen and in my in my living room sitting (laughs) sitting on a couch and uh Working Where did you with find this woman, Eugene? With, <laughs> in Ukraine. Yeah, I, I think I might need to go there. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I was using hand tools and uh, sawing hardwoods and working with steel and doing those knife restorations because I had a passion and I, I truly believed it's going to get me somewhere. And it did. I, I'm telling you, if if I didn't have this goal and that it could be it could put me in situation when one day i could make a living of it mm-hmm. yeah. i wouldn't buy this house where i live right now and wouldn't have my own garage it's so I, cool which yeah. i turned to cool my thing. shop so anyone listening to this right now all the people who have told me over the years that they can't do it, you have been proven wrong by yeah, Eugene. Exactly. Because never, is, never listen to anybody. And yes. especially in, in one of my videos, I, I had a, a message to Ethers, I called them. Oh, if I had a shop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if I had uh, a power hammer. If I had all those $10,000 tools like you have, I would do it too. And I said, look, I don't have a shop. I don't have expensive tools. I'm sitting on my couch, for God's sake, (laughs) in my living room. That's incredible. And I'm still capable of doing things. So get off your ass and start doing something. That was my message three years ago. (laughs) I love it. 
I love it. Work for it, baby. End of show. Right there. That's a wrap. I love it. I love it. All right. So we're an hour into the show. And uh, typically what we do here, Eugene. Yeah, we're cruising, man. This is a good show. Uh, We have a hashtag on Instagram called WFI Projects. So I go to Instagram and I type in WFI Projects into the hashtag search. And you can go in there and you can look around and see all of these projects from the people who listen to our our podcast. You'll see a lot of knives in there. You'll see a lot of woodworking in there. We're branching out into all kinds of things, machines, Can you uh, type plastics. it in the, in the message? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll put it in. So if you're looking at the, the cast website, I will send a direct link there so that you can actually pull it up on your computer. And then we just basically go through the um, all of these projects, not all of them, but the ones that stand out to us, and we discuss them. And we, we, we talk about the, the people who are listening to the show and supporting our show by actually uh, hashtagging WFI projects. Um, this was a concept that Brian came up with, I don't know, Brian, what, eight months ago or something? Oh, shoot, I don't I know, say. but don't how know many one. posts are on it now? I, I, I can't see it on my phone. We are just shy of 3,000 posts, so 2,963 posts of people who have done this. Do you see that on the desktop or on uh, mobile? I I see see a thousand plus. Yeah, I see it on desktop. So if you if you look at it on a computer, you can see the exact amount of posts. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start by looking at uh, one of my favorite, not only. My one of my favorite uh, social media guys, but also just a fa- one of my favorite human beings, and that's Lando Novak over at mm-hmm. Abstract underscore Blacksmith. He's also the host of the Forge Side Chat with Justin Laramieux, and they're Canadians, good guys, uh, and very very uh, funny. I don't know if if this is a, something we're going to have to turn you on to, Eugene, because mm-hmm. uh, Forge Side Chat is uh, Canadian based. In fact, you would be a perfect uh, guest on that show and a Canadian-based uh, discussion of blacksmithing, metalworking, and all that. But he took a picture of himself. He's a very handsome man, by the way. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Um, he is a how, handsome man. Yeah. I'd say he's a handsome guy. For, I'm for, not ashamed uh, to say it. Yeah. yeah he's got <laughs> nice eyes. Very, very like piercing piercing <laughs> eyes yeah, with a nice, yeah. well-kept beard for, for him. You know, mm-hmm, it looks good on mm-hmm. him. Um, and he hashtags... All kinds of funny crap in this, which is <laughs> which is hashtag hashtag thongs hashtag hoser hashtag <laughs> Manitoba artist uh, and also hashtags WFI projects. So he made a hammer rack. So if you go and look at his um, picture of him, he's kind of like holding his hands like like he's holding up a, one of the hammers with his fingers, and it's really, really, really cool, man. This The stuff he's yeah. developing in the <laughs> shop, I love watching his, his growth as well. So go check out Lando Novak at abstract underscore blacksmith on Instagram and the Forge Side Chat podcast. Love it. So the Sharp Carpenter uh, took a Damascus forging class with JBV or JVB Knives Canada. And uh, shared some footage on a power hammer. And, yeah, some pretty cool. Looks like a cool class. I don't know this uh, JVB Knives Canada, but uh, I'm no knife maker. I had a brief discussion uh, with him about this class 
because I was fascinated with it because he showed a photo of some feather Damascus that he mm. had made. And I was oh, like, yeah. on day one, you made feather Damascus. He's mm. like, yep, it's whatever he want to do. They'll do it with you. And, <clears throat> um, and it's yeah. not like he, he's not made Damascus before Rodney is a, is a, 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 a fantastic craftsman. Yeah. It's just that he doesn't have a ton of experience with this type of, uh, um, you know, Damascus making with a power hammer and all that. So mm-hmm. it's it was just interesting following his journey. Plus, if you don't know Rodney, he's just like an all-around cool guy. And again, another, well, I think he's an American living in Canada. So Okay. Which makes that uh Rod, Now, Rodney um, is the, you know, uh, that's... Rodney is the sharp carpenter. The sharp carpenter, correct. Okay, that's yes. what I thought. And then this guy, JVB Knives, an, another handsome man with, with a great hat selection. <laughs> a fine hat collection, apparently, because I just, you know, uh, stalked his feed, and he's got several little uh, derby hats going there, so pretty cool. <laughs> so what's uh, WFI stands for in this? Work, work, work for it, it baby. Oh, work, work for it. it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Uh, yeah. I'll take on the work next one. So how how did we end up figuring out how this is pronounced? The K-H-A-A-C-K oh, cutlery. Oh, hang on. I think he messaged me. Look Ooh. it up while while I'm talking about this. Yeah, go ahead and talk. I've got to talk about this harpoon clip chef knife. So it says it's seven inches long. The heel on this thing is two and seven eighths inch tall. That is one beefy chef knife. Talk about yeah. just a badass chef knife. But yeah, so ironwood handles, uh, you know, black paper micarta bolster. Man, this thing is just like it, if you saw some. If you saw someone come into a kitchen with that knife, I mean that it's just a showstopper for sure. That thing is just an absolute beast. What Did is you the f- uh, what's the Instagram account that posted it? K H A A C K Cutlery underscore Cutlery. Oh, oh yeah yeah yeah. And he was the one that was like, it's not cock cutlery. It's right like right. Cat- I don't yeah, want to say. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to say. Yeah, it. Yeah. What is it? Yeah 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 yeah. And, no, I and got you. No, that's a cool piece. I tripped up over uh, another name uh and it was dustin e jima e jima and it's uh actually l i j i m a and it's pronounced e jima so that was a couple so of weeks back here's the uh, here's the decoding of k hack underscore cutlery his name is ken hack or k hack yeah, K Hawk. So it's oh, K Hawk Cutlery. So don't his say full it. name is Ken. Ken. Yeah, Ken Hawk. Just and don't say it. He was calling me cock too. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, totally, man. Yeah, of course. But he he's got yeah his. If you're not familiar with his work, right now he has only 124 followers, but his knife work is unbelievable. It's so go off check the him chain. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. Can, can I suggest one knife maker? Maybe you guys uh, didn't. Please do hear sure. him on, or seen him. He's getting uh, pretty viral. I, I'm sure you probably seen one or two of his videos. The channel name on YouTube is FZ Dash yes. Making Knives. Yes. This guy is also from Ukraine, and his stuff is another level, especially for Western world. 
I don't think I don't think the Woods still is quite popular in uh, Canada <clears throat> and America as it's popular back home and uh, on uh, Eurasia and uh, India continent. It actually came out from India this technique in the first or second century. It's like man, it's ancient technology of Woods steel. For those who doesn't know what uh, Woods is, it's pretty much you uh, boil in steel in crucible in very high temps and uh, it's all started with having like iron uh, and they were adding chips of uh, cast iron because the concentration of uh, um, sorry I forgot that word what's in what's in steel that C what what it stands for carbon carbon, carbon. carbon. there you go because lots of carbon in in cast iron and it's all melts together given you the proper amount of carbon so you can actually use it as a knife or any other cutting skills um, tools yeah. and uh, the pattern on on wood steel it's such unique it it looks to me anyway it looks like something like one million layer Damascus steel or something yes. like that pretty yes. much and you can use anything for that like I mean I highly recommend for all knife makers and people who just enjoy watching uh, building knives this channel it, it is another level out of space he makes can knives. you uh, Eugene spell the uh, spell the channel name yeah it's F Z dash making knives okay yep exactly okay so it's the same guy that i i got sucked into the woot steel thing probably about uh three months ago when i got my forging press up and running mm -hmm. and i wanted to learn all about it so I, you know and i started watching the fz making knives channel there's a bunch of guys in eastern europe doing this and that's where a majority of the videos come from and then just watching how that's made, you know, people throw like drill bits and <clears throat> cast iron and glass and, you know, charcoal yeah. and they throw it in a crucible. They heat it to above 3000 Fahrenheit and then and then they let it cool. And then what you're left with is a Wootz steel ingot. Yeah, you break okay. the, you break the crucible away from it. So the crucible is sacrificial. And a lot of these guys make their own crucibles. It's it's like a fascinating, fascinating yeah. process. And he, yeah. Eugene is so right because by the time you're done with it, like you want to attempt this, there's a bunch of guys on Facebook that are actually doing it. There's I can't think of his name right now. Um, Spencer Scandison, I think, is his name. That's experimenting with this on the regular in the United hmm. States. But it's not a very well-practiced or known process. There is a yeah. huge, if you've ever heard the dilemma about what is true Damascus, Woot Steel is what a, mo a majority of people are talking about. They're saying that Woots is the true Damascus, that there's really no, there's, you know, when you layer forge weld layer steel, it's not true Damascus, whatever. I don't want to get into that argument because it's not, <laughs> I don't really care personally. I just think it's all beautiful. And wood yeah. steel, though, is like the top, the crust. I think the it's two 1%. different things. Why would there I be agree. two names? Damascus steel. Yeah, Damascus steel is uh, folding layers. 
and wood steel is particularly boiling steel. Yes. Yeah, I, I yes. was doing my research a little bit in that, and you don't only have to melt it to the, like heat it to the melting point. It literally has to boil for a couple hours. Then all the crystal and uh, all the whatever that, what those processes which going on in, in that uh, melted metal bath will be true. It's not huh. simple. I mean, so. there is uh, certain temperatures and uh, techniques. That's why more likely if you're going to try it without, no without knowledge, you're going to fail. Huh. Yes. I can't what tell you I can't tell you how many comments on TikTok where I've gotten uh actually that's not actually Damascus. If you go back it was actually root steel yes. that yes. is the real Damascus and we could take those root steel knives and cut through whatever you're making. Yeah, and, and Steve Schwarzer did an entire video yeah, on it with say, Will Stelter. Steve, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there, there's like a whole big long thing. I, I don't want to get into the argument over syntax because I personally don't care. But I would say that it's it is a fascinating process to watch. So go go out and find FZ Dash Making Knives on YouTube. I will put a link down in the show notes so you can go find it. Um, it is good stuff. That's a great. What do you think it is about? Um, Eastern Europe that that this stuff's showing up now is, is there some the talent the talent that comes okay. from all and Eugene correct me if I'm wrong but there's a bunch of people in Eastern Europe Russia Ukraine they are old they're generations deep uh, working with metal and so they're learning from their fathers and their fathers' yeah. fathers, and it's an art that didn't get diluted Christ by die, baby, by baby. capitalism, if that makes sense. Ah, it did not get yep. diluted by capitalism. And I and I I say that with the utmost respect. It's because these people were in this life, and they and metal is their lives. That's what they do. And you know, it's like they've learned, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. Exactly. And, um, yeah. Yeah, the, I wouldn't call like it's everywhere, right? Because the new era is everywhere and there's very few people, unfortunately, who are uh, blacksmiths or any other trades in generations. Because unfortunately, with all this IT technology and people working from home and other uh, computer and internet professions, they kill in this. People who in uh, blacksmithing or woodworking, uh, for instance, they, they live in a village or a small town, right? No one needs their produce pretty much. They would rather go and buy in, yeah. in the store. That's the and Jeff Fader, uh, you know, what's the role of the modern-day blacksmith? Right? Unfortunately, there's still plenty of masters because there's so many people, right, Compare compared to Western world. Like Ukraine itself, at least before this uh, situation, we had 44 million people or 46. It's way more than whole Canada. And Canada is uh, almost 10 million square kilometers. 
the area of Canada. Ukraine, not even 1 million. It's almost 700,000 square kilometers. So the amount of people there is crazy. That's why if you take it from the number of people, yes, we have more masters. But in general, this uh, art is dying everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. I find the um, if if I could just shift gears, I don't mean to pull it away from WFI projects, but uh, one of the reasons why Eugene is on the show is because of his um, his Ukrainian um, background, and we have a major conflict going on between Russia and I would say it's not actually between Russia; it's between Vladimir Putin and the Ukraine. And uh, I don't think that everyone in Russia is pro-war. And so I try to change my vernacular, my the way that I'm saying this, because um, I don't believe that the Russian people truly want to be engaged in this, in this war. And I think that they're being told some things that is actually not true. Even the soldiers have said this, the ones that are captured in the Ukraine, saying that, uh, you know, they've been told one thing, and that was the one thing that made them motivated to go to war which is all disinformation and, uh, and, and false. Uh, do you, I'm, I'm assuming you have family over there, Eugene, and you have a lot going on as far as you still have all these connections with people there. It, this has got to be absolutely heartbreaking for you. It is. It is heartbreaking watching the country I know, the cities I know being destroyed. And uh, talking about my family, Thankfully, my mom, my sister, and two of her kids, they had a chance to evacuate. They're in Germany right now. But my father refused to go. The, my sister's husband simply couldn't go because nobody allowed to leave Ukraine in, uh, in a state of war between 18 to 60 years old. And people are leaving. This is horrible to watch and... For me, this is nightmare, which I wish I could wake up from, but it's impossible, unfortunately. And especially with who? With Russians. We were brothers. We, we stood against Hitler in World War II. There was no Russian, Ukrainians. Nobody cared how, which language you speak. We had one goal, to fight the Nazis. And... My father, my grandfather, my mom's father, he went through all four years of war from 1941 to 1945. He was fighting among Russians too, you know? And luckily, I would say, he passed away and didn't live to this day to see his battle com comrades fighting his own country in return for that favor like it you just can't imagine simply it, uh, the, the fact that my family have to run from russians to the germany you know what i mean yeah. when germany yeah. was the enemy now they friend yeah it's yeah like there's no <clears throat> equivalent you know that i can even I can't even fathom it, you know, from growing up here in the U.S. There's just no equivalent in my mind. But just 
briefly. It, it would be like it would be shoes. like the United States invading Canada. Yeah, that's about no as close sense. as I could get, right? Pretty yeah. much. Very good example, yes. It would yeah. make no sense. We and, both and it would speak be... in the same language, kind of. I mean, Ukrainian language is a little different than Russian, but I say a little different because I speak both as many Ukrainians back home. But uh, most, most Russians will not understand Ukrainian. But Ukrainians, of course, do speak and understand Russian because of uh, USSR influence also back in the day. Sure. Yeah, I, I hired a Ukrainian to work in my shop and a young guy. He's a, he's a good kid, Ivan. And um, and he but he speaks Russian. So he is a you know, he's one of the few Ukrainians that, uh, you know, the, he speaks straight Russian. Um, I guess there's areas in the Ukraine where that is. Uh, yes yes yeah. exactly like at home me and wife we speak russian too because we're from kiev and most people in kiev they speak russian and eastern yeah. eastern ukraine speak russian so what is going on right now why most people i say most because it's the truth you said that russia don't want this war but people simply disinformed in russia the propaganda told them that in Ukraine, the the Nazis and uh, nationalists, they they have the power. They want to destroy everybody who speaks Russian, and take over those areas where uh, people speak Russian. That's why Putin uh, sent his army to protect that area who speaks Russian because they want to be part of Russia and we have to save Ukraine. This is, doesn't make any sense. All my life, I, I lived in Ukraine, like I said, for 22 years and I was visiting often too. And I swear to God, I speak Russian language everywhere I go and I never had seen any uh, abuse or somebody would tell me, uh, speak Ukrainian, and stuff like this. This is all not true. Russian soldiers, they being told, you just go into Ukraine and uh, the civilians, they will meet you with flowers and bread. <laughs> and yet, they meet them with bullets and bombs because yeah. they are invaders. This is crazy. The informational war, mm. such a thing right now. People don't have... Not, not, I, I'm not going to say they, they don't have way to see the other information. They've yeah. been brainwashed so much that they all believe all news, not only Ukrainian, your guys' news, American. Oh, God, don't Euro start believing our news. Uh, <laughs> European, Canadian, all Western world to them is bullshit. They only listen to Russian uh, propaganda. And this is horrible. And even all these kids who who been caught in Ukraine, who went to to the war, most of them they they don't understand what's going on because they've been told they're just gonna uh, get a march to the Kiev and everybody would meet them with flowers because they um, want to save Ukraine, you know. Mm. 
this is this is this is crazy. crazy. Ukraine doesn't it's, need saving, you know. That's right, that's the yeah. thing. No. And, and well, yeah, and so we we're watching this unfold on this side of the planet, and you know, uh, our hands are tied. You know, we cannot get yep. uh, too much involved in this because uh, it, it could start World War Three, and Literally. Putin knows this, and yep. he's leveraging this. And he, you know, not to get too political because that's not what this show is about, but there's not, and what Brian called me the other day when he read your Slack message, Eugene, on, on the Dagger Challenge about this. And he's like, we got to get him on the show. And, I, you know, I, I'm hesitant to bring up this heavy stuff, but here's the thing. Tyranny can only exist in a world where good men do nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we don't talk about these kinds of things and shed light on them, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there that would just kind of gloss over it. You know, it's just yeah. a news story. It's just a thing that's happening on the other side of the planet. It does not directly no. affect me. Bullshit. Well, here's how it does affect you. And I'll just give you a, a really uh, a cut and dry situation. So in, or, in order for steel to be produced, there's a there's a thing called pig iron that needs to be um, inje- basically cooked with the steel for lack of not a, better a term. very common thing not a very common thing guess where it all is made and is uh is mined it's mined in the ukraine and parts of russia and so when pig iron is now uh, not being able to be exported everything on the planet that has steel in it which is about 95 percent of the products all over the world is going to be affected so not only from a absolute terrifying war situation where you have a major militaristic force that is bombing, killing, and basically pillaging towns in the Ukraine of civilians, women, and children. You have now financial rep. Uh, there's just, there's just, this is just going to keep going and keep going and keep going until somebody gives up, which yeah. I don't know about Vladimir Putin's ability to do so. Um, it's just it's going to affect so many things. You know, the the world gets smaller every single day. Exactly. And uh, I will say that, you know, I I am not a negative person. I'd like to believe that there's going to be a positive outcome here. Mm. And and I'm hoping for that for the, the people, the beautiful people of Ukraine. And um, it, it bothers me it, it, a lot. Uh, and it should bother you, too. It's, I guess if you're listening maybe, to this, you should know this is going on, and it should bother you. I guess yes, maybe and, the, uh, the the worst thing most of the media say that this is conflict. This is uh, something they they trying to minimize it. It is not. It, the real war is going on. I mean, yeah. there's bunch of bunch of videos. I'm not talking about our news. There is. I'm I'm not sure if you known uh, this messenger Telegram. Yeah, and, and is it like app, uh, is a, it like uh, WhatsApp kind of? Yeah. Kind of like WhatsApp or Viber. That's where most of uh, Eastern world lives, and there's a bunch of groups where people just from their phone they shoot uh, footage with Russians. They fo- shoot footage after uh, our country being destructed. They shoot footage with uh, uh, Russian soldiers giving up and uh, trying to save their lives because they don't understand why they fight. This is why Ukrainian uh, 
resistance is so strong right now because we've been attacked. Yeah. Those guys, yeah. they don't even know most of them. I'm not talking about commanders, right? But poor soldiers. Uh, <clears throat> I, I translated this word con conscript soldier. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Putin officially said on TV in Russia that there is no conscript soldier uh, being used in this, as he says, uh, military operation only professionals yet what we see those guys even don't know what they do in there he simply yeah. lies yeah and yeah. the worst uh there's I, i'm not gonna say uh, how many soldiers russian soldiers died because i'm i'm not sure this information is correct but a lot we're talking about thousands and yeah. uh ukraine officially sent few letters to the red cross of russia with uh, um, they asked them to remove the, the bodies, remove the corpse. Ukraine even uh, wanted to provide a refrigerator train to collect the corpse and send it back to Russia so they could be buried and their bodies could be given to the to their loved ones. Guess what they did? They didn't even reply. Oh, Lord. We're... we're like watching history repeat itself right these these fucking egomaniacs <laughs> you know with propaganda i mean so much of it is reminiscent of hitler and and you know the beginnings of of world war ii right it's it's you we've all we all play the social media game right we all uh, whether we like the term or not, influence people by the content we provide. Um, <clears throat> it's not all that dissimilar, right? Only taken to extremes that you couldn't even imagine, you know? And like you say, people showing up to fight a, a, a war they believe is going on only to find out it's, it is or it isn't. Or, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that these bastards come to power and uh, mm. frankly frightening that they still can in in a more modern world right um, yeah I, would I, mean, like, I, I, I would mean, like to also just bring a little bit of positivity to this because I don't know if you know this Eugene about the Canadian elite sniper named nicknamed Wally who I, I've heard of him okay so there is this uh, Canadian elite sniper He's got like a ton of kills under his belt. Um, so Zelensky, I think I'm pronouncing that right, the president of the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, Zelensky. He says, anybody that wants to come here and help us fight, please come. You know, we'll 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 welcome you with open arms. So this this uh, former uh, sniper, elite sniper, Canadian uh, sniper. Goes over there. One and bad motherfucker. <laughs> want, you do not want to be within a three-mile radius of this person, uh, because if you've if you've got any sort of leadership tags on your jacket, uh, I just heard rumors that the day after he showed up, like a a lot of a very high-ranking general was sniped, like mm. right after he was right after this guy landed i mean like within a day I, or so i can't confirm this information but i do know for a fact that a day or two ago a big russian general was killed i don't mm, know yes. how 
but uh, what what it tells us what what was General doing in Warzone to begin right. with? Yeah, that's curious. This makes right? no sense to me either. I was thinking the same thing. I kept I, thinking I will, about I will that scene in Forrest Gump. I will explain you why. Because Russian army has no uh, motive anymore. The big commanders are there to raise their spirit to explain them more that this fight is is important yeah. like look at me i'm present here i'm gonna to fight with you Have that's why that's of, why they do it yeah another glass of propaganda punch right yeah. exactly but guess and then, what and then it the guy gets a, a 50 caliber bullet put right through his yeah. head there just you go, in front of a bunch of people too by the way it was it, it was he yeah. was with a, a i don't know a battalion crew or something i have no idea and um but i did read about this and you're right i thought i think the same thing eugene about why is a general on the front lines at all or even near the front lines you remember that scene in forrest gump when lieutenant dan uh you yes. standing there and and forrest gives salutes him and he says put your damn hand down there's a snipe there's snipers all over the place that would love to take me out right now like don't yes. don't give me any respect exactly. um and 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 it was like i kept thinking about that like this general is wandering around he's probably wearing all of his you know uniform with all of his you know uh different pins and whatever crap that are all such over a there. such a sweet yeah. target yeah, sweet target, man. And then yeah. he gets sniped out. So I'll tell you what, Eugene, I'm so sorry that this is happening. And, man, and um, I'll tell you, man, uh, if I don't know, do you have a is there a way that if somebody were so to be compelled to assist the Ukrainian people, what's the best way that we can do that here from here? Um, I would say. Get get the blinds from your windows and don't think this is special military operation this is real war spread the information if you have ukrainian friends or relatives or somebody you know more likely there's a bunch of ukrainians all over the world ask them how you can help if i can i can leave uh, a wire transfer to support uh, Ukrainian refugees and another one if you want to support Ukrainian army those are trusty sources and it's not gonna go to someone's pocket it's definitely gonna go to to the right people to help other people yeah. over over 2 million Ukrainians already left Ukraine that that's two two days old information the united union they they predict close if it if it not if it's not gonna stop soon close to 10 million could leave ukraine this is horrible yeah and uh sorry i'm just getting man if if there's emotional oh sorry go ahead eugene yeah you you bring up a good point and and we see this a lot uh in the world of wildfire you, you mentioned you know two days old information um wildfire information flows very similar to military information you're always working off of yesterday's news at best 24 hours uh you know 
a shift ends at say seven o'clock p.m they come in they bring in info and that info is already 12 to 16 hours old because most of it's from the morning when they first showed up or you know so i think that's always something to keep in mind you know the way the news cycles work and everything else um things escalate more quickly and de-escalate more quickly um you know on the actual ground so just a little something for folks to think about as they're sort of consuming info about uh, you know all of this one one of the most important things uh, about information try to uh, serve the internet stop looking for news from one source more likely there's gonna be some disinformation i'm talking everywhere mm-hmm. even some ukrainian news maybe don't say everything right that's why it's important to hear another opinion don't stick to one source of news because you simply are being kept in a bubble that's what happened to whole russia and to putin himself as a kgb agent I've seen this uh, very interesting documentary about him. Turns out that uh, he, Putin himself, he's not searching for information online. He's not on Facebook or Instagram. You know what I mean? He only takes information from his generals, from his oligarchs, from from the elite who's responsible for information, where even himself could, could be simply disinformated. Sure. And that's, uh, that's another common phenomenon that, that we'll say. I often, there's a lot of parallels between the world of, of wildfire fighting here in the U.S. and the military. The, the two structures are, are very similar in organization uh, and information flow and, and the whole nine yards. And we're frankly not set up to consume outside information. And, and it's kind of an interest, it's always been a really interesting thing to me, uh, my in my career in wildfire i spent time trying to find ways to mine twitter and you know mine uh facebook and other social media because it is a good source potentially but the time it takes to weed out the misinformation uh or the exaggerated information or all of that frankly we just don't have the structure to deal with it and so much like you're describing there, right? The the incident commander or the person that's in charge of making decisions for the whole fire uh, is is left to only be able to rely on boots on the ground reports, um, and that's you know not always great either. And like you say, you can uh, depending on if one crew boss uh, if their definition of risk is you know different than another person's they may exaggerate or play down the situation depending on years of experience and you know all that kind of stuff so it's a real information flow is a frightening thing to be frank it's it's crazy how yeah uh, it flows on a good note there the the ice is moving luckily Mm -hmm. and thanks Mm -hmm. to god um I would like to say th- thank you to the world and especially to U.S. and Canada for supporting Ukraine with weapons, with ammo, with uh, humanitarian and with uh, huge donations. It's w- really important. But also 
most important, in my opinion, right now are those sanctions. Thank you to Joe Biden for uh, banning Russian oil and gas and other countries. I mean, I, I also watch Russian uh, bloggers on YouTube and they are shocked what's going on now. It's if it's going to lead this way, Russia would be worse than USSR. Yeah, because and why is it important? I'm not against Russian civilians. Don't get me wrong. We're all people. I even have family in Russia. So unlike some other maybe Ukrainians, I don't wish all Russian death. Only a few. Right. (laughs) 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 And we'll start. I can think of a few. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Do you have a, a is is there a pretty good uh, Ukrainian community where you're at up there in Canada or Yes, right. yes, cool. in Edmonton there's a bunch of Ukrainians and I Great. I'm uh, I'm attending the the meetings and strikes we went to the square uh, l- last Sunday with uh, um, posters to stop the fly zone over Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I understand why NATO didn't agree because they afraid of course of World War III to start but I mean it's almost there people all around the world they have to understand this where this conflict could lead mm. it's not only Ukraine it's gonna touch everybody because oh, Putin Putin will will never stop even if we're gonna take a scenario that Ukraine gonna have to raise the hands you think he's gonna stop in no. ukraine see no. that's that's what because I was talking. he's against western world yes. it's gonna be kazakhstan it's gonna be chechnya it's gonna be uh moldova those are first countries and then he'll go to europe and he has the leverage because unfortunately europe they don't have for now anyway alternative for the gas he can simply turn off the gas and oil to europe and that's it they're gonna collapse man that's that's what i was talking to brian about on the on the phone call a couple days ago it's like you know i don't see how what what's putin's options here because he's already you know done these incredibly terrible thing you know I tell you, the, I tell you the best Putin's options. Since he's uh, showing the world that he he's a Germany of uh, Nazi Germany of twenty first centuries, why don't you go to the bunker, Putin, and shoot your fucking self? Give this world <laughs> yeah, a favor. Say, yeah, yeah, let's get it over with already. To, yeah, swallow yeah. a fucking gun barrel. Oh, man, yeah. it's just the, the the humanitarian just the war crimes of killing women and children and civilians and it's i i just can't understand but maybe the one the one positive that we can maybe somehow see from this is like you know the civilians and the the people of ukraine stood up to that you know huge power and held their damn own like they they are doing so incredibly well they they stopped them in so many different places they slowed them down way more than anyone would have expected and like you know if if you know russia russia is this dictatorship and they came to 
a democracy and they they tried to bully them around and the yeah. democracy stood up for themselves and you know maybe this is a way that i don't know yeah. maybe we can get some sort of like i, I don't i don't even well, see the you, like brian ugh. nailed it right in the in the beginning right like tyranny cannot exist it, you know only exists if uh capable people do nothing and it, it, yeah it, it's encouraging to see that people are fighting but but it's also frightening you know because man how, how much how much can you fight how long can you fight um a guy like him just knows no limit right and it's scary but it is it is scary but i do hope that more more russian civilians would wake up yeah and start protesting they they already do and i thank them all after beginning of this war, close to 10,000 protesters already in Russian jails. And some of them are going to face criminal uh, punishment up to 15 years in prison. Mm. Because they, they speak the truth. But even that doesn't stop some people. They walk on the street with protests stop the war of course you're not gonna see much of that in russian news because people are being told that everything is fine right but my hope that all these sanctions would wake more and more people people have to realize that for nothing if this uh, conflict from putin words is is true and they trying to save ukraine why the hell all world would go against you you really think this is how it works? Maybe it's time to wake up and reconsider your thoughts. Maybe something's going on. Mm. Well, all eyes on Ukraine. That is for sure. And um, actually, on that note, I have to actually, I my crew, including yeah. my Ukrainian friends, are coming here to help me pack grinder parts you never know someday a revolution grinder might actually be a part of the war effort i hope it's not or never has to be but uh there's a whole lot of them being built over there so um Great. you know you never know you just put never them to know. work and man put them to our hearts work. are with you ukraine and uh stand tall and strong i hope uh the best for everyone there um anyway sure. gentlemen <clears throat> eugene I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for your hard yeah. work. Thank you for everything you've contributed to my uh, rise up in uh, content creation and also the work that I do here and also being a part of the Work For It podcast. I really do appreciate you coming on today. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, guys, for, for having me and for letting me speak my mind. Absolutely. I hope I, hope I, I could touch some hearts. Yeah. I know you yeah. did. I know you did. Hey, All uh, right, well let's wrap let's wrap it up. Uh, you guys got uh, anything one, else you want to discuss real quick? One quick programming note. Uh, this I believe is episode 99, which means next week's 100. 100 episodes of the Work for It podcast. Can you believe that? Crazy. Wow. And it could be a show that you might not want to miss. So stay tuned on the socials we've got, this we've week. We've got a special guest, a surprise special guest on mm -hmm. this episode. Yeah. Episode 100. 
My mom's well, coming. I'm trying to think if we should leave that information or not. I'm all I'm also I don't know either. Like, That's why I say just stay tuned. Not, we may not. leak. <laughs> we, we may leak. Leaking some Is oil. It, we may make fun get, of things. Get, get better surprise. Yeah, yeah. Better I as think, a surprise. All right. I like it. All right. Very good. Excellent. Well, listen, everyone out there, I appreciate you. As always, I know you guys are working hard wherever you might be. So I appreciate you guys for listening into the Work For It podcast. Hard work and good luck. My name is Brian House. I'm this Brian Cohn. Oh, shit. Um, been... <laughs> man, we, we I'm telling you why. We're, we're all sorts of messed up right I now. Know, like my man. head is in a completely different place. But um, totally. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, all right, gentlemen, we'll see you on the next episode. Be good. Bye. Bye-bye. Adios. Uh, Eugene, how do you say goodbye in U- Ukrainian? Um, Dopobachenya, but uh, right now all, all Ukrainians all over the world, they say glory to Ukraine uh-huh. and uh, the response is glory to, the, to our heroes. And in Ukrainian it sounds like Slava Ukraini, Heroyam Slava. Nice. I love it. It's just, Thanks yeah. again, Eugene. Thank you guys for having me and uh, may God bring peace to all of us. Amen.